Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I'm so glad that you are back listening today. We have been tackling some deep faith questions on this deep faith question series, and we've been chatting with a lot of different guests about a lot of different deep faith questions, um, things that I've wrestled with or that people I know or love have wrestled with. And today is no exception. I'm very excited to be welcoming a special guest. She is a family law attorney from the Chicago area. She focuses her practice on helping women overcome domestic abuse. She wrote the book, Overcoming the Narcissist, Sociopath, Psychopath, and Other Domestic Abusers, the Comprehensive Handbook to Recognize, Remove, and Recover from Abuse, to help victims of domestic abuse become the fearless victors that God designed them to be. If you think that's a mouthful, you should see how big this book is. It's amazing. Um, it's quite the book. She is the founder of abusecare.org, a non-denominational faith-based organization designed to provide hope and healing to women in their journey from victims to victorious and to educate and equip churches in caring for victims of domestic abuse. She is co-chair of the Partnership for a Safer Lake County, a network of organizations combat- combating all forms of abuse. She is a certified domestic violence professional, an advocate for victims of abuse, a facilitator of multiple support groups, and a domestic abuse survivor. She has written numerous articles, has contributed to a few books, and is the author herself of three books. She is a wife, mother of three, and active in the worship team at her local church. She enjoys skiing, music, being outdoors, bragging on God, and helping women heal and become the amazing women that God designed them to be. I'm very excited to welcome Charlene Quint to the Finding Something Real podcast. Charlene, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Janelle. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, you showed me the book. Would you show me again uh, that book before we get started? That's Okay, it's huge. For those of you listening to this and not seeing this in the promo, <laughs> this thing is almost as thick as the Bible. <laughs> um, it's 4.2 pounds. 4.2 pounds. 
So right. in 526 pages. <laughs> Charlene, before we get started, um, I mean, it's such an undertaking. Um, how can people find you after this, after they hear from you today? What would be a good way for them to find you? Well, they can go on abusecare.org. Um, that is the um, the organization that I founded to help women of faith um, overcome abuse and also to help um, pastors and churches um, deal with abuse in their uh, um, organizations and their churches in a biblical way uh, to support the victims, but also to hold the abusers accountable. Um, so abusecare.org is a great way to find me. I do have a law practice, but honestly, I, I don't even have a website for that because I just keep getting referrals and I have not found a need to put a website up yet. But um, <laughs> find me through abuse care or just, you know, Google me, you'll find me. Awesome. Well, Charlene, uh, it's quite a passion project to put together a book that's four pounds. Um, where did that book come from? Tell me your story. Oh, boy. Well, I myself, as, as you said, um, I'm a domestic abuse survivor. So in 2012, after you know, 20 years of, of an abusive marriage, I, I, had, um, I, I left my house with only an overnight bag. Um, and I went into hiding for two and a half years. And um, during that whole process uh, of um, going through a divorce from a, of an abuser where you know the abuse just escalated, um, and in the healing process, um, uh, God, um, God called me to help other women. When I finally got out and, and got healed, um, God called me to help other women. So it started with you know, partnering with my local domestic abuse uh, organization, a safe place that's here in the county. Um, and I started a, a support group right there in Lake Forest where I had lived for 20 years um, in 2015. And, and then I started another one in Gurney um, in 2017. And um, God called me to, um, to, um, you know, as a corporate attorney, I was just doing corporate attorney things. And he said, Oh no, I need you here in the courtroom to help other women get out because you know how much they need legal help. And I thought, Oh Lord, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> this is, you know, I, I had hoped that, you know, maybe I could go into teaching. I had served on, on the board at, at, um, Trinity International University, and I and I was an adjunct professor there, and I love young people, so I thought, oh, maybe he's calling me to, to go into full-time teaching, um, but he said, no, I've got plenty of people that are qualified for that, but I don't have anybody else that's qualified to do what I'm calling you to do, because, you know, you have the personal experience that I rescued you from, by the way, and... <laughs> We, we had this conversation because I was not, you know, not very excited to, to do this. And he said, and I, um, and I, you have a law degree, which I gave you, by the way, and you're, you've been healed from this horrible experience. Um, you're welcome, by the way, in record time. And you have resources that I've given you so that you can, you can do this. So that's what I'm calling you to do. And I thought, no, I'm not a fighter. I'm, you know, you, you know me, Lord, I don't, you know, litigators are fighters. And, and he goes, I know. He says, I'm going to make you the warrior. That way, you know, it's going to be me, me not you. Mm. Uh, well, geez, I got nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you win, you win, God, I got nothing. So I opened up my practice and then he said, and you need to write the book mm. and, and help other women go through the same process that you went through. Um, 
so that they can recognize it, that they're in abuse, because women, particularly Christian women, don't even recognize that we're in abuse, mm -hmm. and get out safely, um, and you know how to do that, um, because you've been through it, and now you're an attorney helping other people through it, and how to heal, and guess what? I'm the key to healing, because God's, God, God's the one that heals, and write it all down, and I'll help you write it. So I wasn't crazy about that assignment either, but he said, well, I'll find you the publisher and I'll open the doors and I'll get it out because, you know, women need it. My daughters need this. And so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So, so God and I sat down for the last five years and wrote the book together. Wow. Wow. That's the story. <laughs> well, there's so many follow-up questions to that. Did you grow up in a Christian home where you, did you always have faith? I did. I, I don't really remember a time where I didn't have faith. I, I remember being, you know, very small mm -hmm. um, and always knowing, knowing there was a God, knowing you love me, reading the Bible. Um, I had two wonderful parents. So I, um, I walked that walk for, um, for many years, but I will tell you, I have never been as close to the Lord as having to go through the fire as I did with this. And, um, he, he just, he taught me himself. He taught me, you know, as I was reading the Bible, he would reveal himself to me. And I had, you know, hundreds of aha moments, you know, well, I'd read that a hundred times before, but having walked through what I had just gone through from with those eyes through domestic abuse, I, I really got it. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounded. I surrounded myself with good people. I, 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 I will tell you, I called the herd. <laughs> so, so I, um, those people that were, were not on God's team, they were, they were out the door. And um, so I really surrounded myself with good people. And there's amazing women who were filled with the Holy Spirit in this new church that I found and who just loved on me and prayed uh, over me. And, and, and it got me through those times. So, mm. so you kind of touched on this, but um and, and for those who don't know, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast, but um, my sister was uh, in an abusive relationship. And I remember very vividly at 12 years old, um, you know, being part of that, getting out of that situation and how traumatic that was um, as she, you know, left that marriage with her two little girls. And um, later on, uh, after getting my master's, I was an advocate um, with the King County Prosecutor's Office in the Domestic Violence Unit. Um, and so I, I have some experience, um, just personally, but also, um, you know, working with survivors, I think on average it's seven or eight times before a woman can leave. Um, am I correct? That's right. Aunt, the average woman leaves seven times before she finally leaves for good. Yeah. And when she does finally leave for good, it's usually because it's now affecting the children Yeah, and she can't stand in the gap anymore. She can't protect them anymore and it's affecting them. Yeah. And I, I worked with a lot of women, um, especially with misdemeanors who on at first would be very much pro prosecution and getting their um, spouse help and seeing them brought to justice. Um, and then eventually it would be a total turnaround um, and no longer being willing to talk with me or, and my job was just to hold their hand through the process of prosecution um, but typically, uh, you know, the women that I worked with would go back to their abusers. Um, and so I guess my question to you, Charlene, is at what point did you realize you were in an abusive relationship? You were there for 20 years and what made you leave? 
Well, like like many women, um, you know, as a as a woman of faith, I didn't want to call it abuse. Um, I just, you know, we call it, well, he has a strong personality or, you know, he's a big, larger than life type of thing. So he was, you know, he was a, a business executive. So he did have a very strong personality, so, but I, I, I didn't call it abuse. But I, I, I remember after I was out, um, probably out of, for, for a year or so, and I was debating whether I needed to file for divorce, a dear friend of mine, I was explaining an incident that happened and she said, oh my goodness, that's abusive. And that's the first time I'd ever actually heard that word. Now, keep in mind, I had been in counseling for a, a year by that point, And, you know, I talked to the pastors for a year and no one had used the word abuse. And when she, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. And I started doing research on, on, you know, narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder, which is where we get the sociopaths and psychopaths from. And, and, you know, what just happened here? And it is, is there anything that, that women can do to, to make these marriages work? And, you know, lo and behold, you have very little ability to make a marriage work when you have a narcissist, narcissist or a sociopath on the other side, because they, they have no interest in changing. And um, so, um, so that's when I first heard the the term of um, you know abuse. But you know I I had left a few times as well, and it was it took a, a it it took a it, I think as a, many women think it took a it just over the top abuse to say, wow I, I can't do this anymore, mm -hmm. and it was um, it, it in January of 2012 I had written my abuser a. a you know, a long letter, probably 15 pages. And, and I just outlined the abuse over 20 years. And I said, would you, you need to get counseling. This is, this is, this is not how a Christian man should treat a Christian woman. And he looked at it and said, well, it's not that bad. You know, if it was that bad, you would have left 10 years ago. Mm. And then in a show of force to show me, you know, he was in control. He raped me every morning after the kids went to school and every night after the kids went to bed. And that happened every single day until the day I left. Mm -hmm. And he stalked me at my work. I, you know, I'd come to work after lunch and he'd be there looking through my papers to see if he could find something. And um, he'd follow me around. And, at, and when I got home, he'd just stalk me and, uh, during the day and follow me. And I thought, you know, I can't live like this. So I, I, that's when I left with an overnight bag and never went back. Wow. Wow. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I mean, I'm glad that you, that God rescued from all that. It, your story reminds me a lot of the story of Moses, you know, and Moses arguing with God about not wanting to do something. And God's like, who made your mouth? <laughs> I, I, yep. Yeah. Very similar. Um, that, oh, and that's exactly what God told me. He says, I'm going to make you a Moses for women. So, you know, mm -hmm. get after it and stop, stop arguing with me. Yeah, I love it. Did you ever encounter, um, and th this is a hard question, I think, uh, this might be the deep faith question, I don't know. Because um, I've had friends who, uh, you know, since get, as I get older, you know, you see more things, you have more friends. Um, but the m messages in the church can often be mixed. Um, 
<laughs> and I found as an advocate in a secular environment that sometimes the hardest clients were the ones who came from a religious background because you're nodding your head <laughs> because they would quote uh, that Jesus said to forgive, you know, 70 times seven. And um, therefore, they needed to work on their marriage. God hates divorce. Um, that's also in, in the Bible. So how did you reconcile okay, that? Sure. <laughs> what was that? Malachi 2. Yep. God hates divorce. You can't divorce me. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a very uh, manipulated scripture. So mm-hmm. how did you sure. deal with that personally? And how do you deal with it now working with survivors? Well, once you actually get into the scripture and see when, when people quote that, whether it's a, a, a pastor or whether it's an abuser, they're using lazy theology. Mm. It, you know, they're, they're doing just little sound bites. When you really dig down into the scripture, you find that God hates abuse. That's what he really hates. You know, he hates when people are, are um, abusive to each other. And when you look into that scripture in Malachi 2, where where it says God hates divorce, he, the whole chapter is about God talking to men who are um, dealing treacherously with their wives. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, well, this is why I'm not answering your prayers, because here's the wife of your youth, and you're dealing treacherously. You're not being faithful to her. You're not loving her. And, and when when you, you know, trade her in for the, a new model, um, you are doing violence to one that you should be protecting. So we can use those, those, those verses, um, but don't use them out of context. What, what abusers are great at doing is, um, is what's called spiritual abuse. Now, people don't even really recognize spiritual abuse as a, as a thing. You know, we think of domestic abuse as, well, you know, someone just got hit or smacked or, you know, shot or something like that. But abuse takes all sorts of different forms. There's emotional and verbal abuse, which is in 100% of abusive relationships. There's there's financial abuse, which is in 99% of abusive relationships. There's physical abuse, which is in 98% of abusive relationships, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse. And so spiritual abuse is used whenever um, a woman's faith is important to her. And they will use scriptures and twist it to justify the abuse and justify of keeping her in an abusive relationship. Um, but I point to the ones where, where, you know, God says, run from evil. If you're in a relationship with a person who consistently abuses you and who is not repentant, that's evil. And thank goodness for John. He, in, you know, first John three, he says, well, we know the difference between God's children and, and the devil's children. You know, the, God's children can't continue to do evil because the Holy Spirit's in them and, and convicts them. That's really black and white. So if you're in a relationship with someone who claims to be, you know, a Christian, but continuously has a lifestyle of, of evil and, and abuse, they're not God's kids. Don't, don't fool yourself. Um, and I, I also appreciate Paul when he was talking to Timothy um, in um, first Timothy um, chapter three, he has this wonderful description of a narcissist, absolutely to the T, um, you know, and, and then he says, have nothing to do with them, mm-hmm. have nothing to do with them. Um, and he doesn't say, 
well, have nothing to do them except for you wives. Now, you poor wives, you have to, you're stuck there for the rest of your life so, to be abused and, and to die a slow spiritual, emotional, and physical death. But the rest of the people, you have nothing to do with them because, you know, evil is evil and God's people don't want evil. But, but wives, you got to stick in there. He doesn't say that. He says, have nothing to do with them. So when we twist scripture and tell people that they are stuck with an abuser and who has, has rejected God, that's not scriptural. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's places in, this, in, the, in the Bible, um, in Ezra chapters 9 and 10, where, where God told the men of Israel, listen, I told you not to marry um, these, these women who are unfaith. They're pagans. You know, they're practicing you know, child sacrifice and all sorts of things. And he says, I told you not to marry them, and you did. You must divorce them. So God tells people to, to do that when, when you are in, in an evil situation. So there's a lot of places in scripture that tells us to run from evil, to, to separate yourselves from them. And those are the ones that when, it's, when abuse is involved, that's the ones we should, we should look at. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's kind of like reading those, those marriage books that tell you all the things you're supposed to do to have this wonderful marriage. And you read those and you read those and you read those and you're like, nothing is working. It's because marriage books are written for regular people with regular problems, normal people that, that have goodwill towards each other and are um, what the value each other and want the best for each other and want the best for the marriage. Well, yeah, go read a marriage book and it's going to work. But if you're in a, an abusive situation, that marriage book is never going to work. And I've talked to dozens of women who have stacks of marriage books and I was one. And why didn't it work? Well, because they're not written for abusive situations. Those are written for regular marriage problems. Yeah. If you're in a, an abusive situation, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. I'm sure your book, um, which, I mean, looks like a very thorough <laughs> review of the subject, um, addresses the cycle of abuse. Um, it sure does. Yeah. And we, we address um, spiritual abuse as well. Yeah. Um, the, just what you said. And we have a lot of scriptures um, that that help women understand what God really has to say about divorce and abuse yeah. versus what the abuser says or what an uninformed pastor says. So one of the, the themes that comes along in an abusive relationship, from what I remember, you can let me know if I can't remember my stuff. It's been a while. I, I've had four kids and I haven't been uh, an advocate in the domestic violence realm for quite some time. But, um, you know, it, it happens. Or, you know, there's a wooing. There's, uh, you know, the building up of the tension. Something happens. And then uh, it, there's an, an apology usually. There's, oh, I'm so sorry. I, this is, you know, I'm a terrible person. And um, for people who maybe have never been in an abusive relationship, uh, I know it seems to me, looking from the outside, it's really easy to be judgy, you know, to think, oh, well, why doesn't she just leave? Or why doesn't, you know, that just stop? Well, it's very manipulative, like you've, Charlene, you've just shared, you know. And so for somebody who does value her faith, who's sitting there going, well, he's asked me to forgive him, and uh, I want to forgive him, and the Bible says to forgive, what would you say to somebody who has that response? Well, First of all, that's, the cycle of abuse is one of the reasons why women stay in, in abuse. You, you know, if it if it, abuse happened 24-7, you know, <laughs> women would get out earlier. But 
But abusers know this, so they play on that cycle. Oh, okay, so you've just had this whole explosive abuse, whatever it was, whether it's physical or, or emotional or verbal or whatever. And, and um, so then they think, okay, I, I, might I might lose her now. So I'm going to, as she's walking out the door, I will promise to be nicer. I will promise to go to counseling. I will promise to, uh, you know, to do whatever. And so whatever it takes for him to get her to stay, he'll say it, but he has no intention of doing it. I mean, he'll even cry crocodile tears. I mean, they're, they're, they're wonderful actors. Um, and the, so she'll, she'll be filled with hope. It's like, okay, well, this time it's going to happen. And, and then, you know, like you said, it, it, there's this tension building. She's walking on eggshells, trying not to, to, um, you know, upset him or, you know, everything can tick him off. And, you know, then it happens again. And we go through this whole cycle over and over and over. And it can be once a week, once a day, <laughs> once a month, whatever. Um, and it happens over and over. And, and so I would say, um, yeah, when that happens over, he's not repenting at all. And, you know, again, the divorce is the kind of the last, the last option. But when you are, when you live with someone who over and over does not repent, um, there's, there's not an obligation to stay in the marriage. Throughout the Bible, in order for God to have a relationship with us, he requires us to repent. Old Testament or New Testament, to have a relationship with God, for him to forgive us and to have a relationship, he requires repentance. And he doesn't require more from us than he does himself. Mm-hmm. So we need to require repentance to be in relationship. You can forgive somebody, but that's a big, that is a really, probably one of the most misunderstood terms in all of the language in the Christian use language, what forgiveness means. So forgiveness does not mean, I forget about it. Forgiveness does not mean it's okay. Forgiveness does not mean I'm going to go back into a relationship with you. Forgiveness from a, from a human perspective means I'm going to let God do what God does and hold everybody accountable. And, but that does not mean that a woman has to go in, into that, back into a relationship that's abusive. That doesn't, that's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness also doesn't mean there's no consequences for behavior. We saw that with David, you know, he had, let's all be quite honest, what he did with Bathsheba was raping a woman who was married to another man because he wanted to, and and then he had her husband killed when he found out that he's having a baby with her. So, so, and she couldn't tell anybody that's, that was, um, you know, he was the king and she was a subject. So, but when he was called on it, he asked God for forgiveness and he repented. That's the important thing. He repented and he went the other way. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have consequences. There was terrible consequences for, for that one act. And, you know, that was the beginning of the end um, for his uh, reign and, and subsequent reigns after that. Um, so there are consequences and we don't just forget that it ever happened. I mean, you can maybe forgive a a pedophile, but you were never going to put your your child in his presence again. So let's keep in mind what forgiveness really means. It doesn't mean you go back into a relationship. It means you let God do the avenging and you go on with your life of freedom and peace and wholeness. Mm, I love that. Um, 
last I checked, and it's been a while, um, I think the rates of domestic violence in dating relationships, especially younger um, couples, has dramatically increased um, in the last what, 10, 15 years. Shirley, you know mm. more about this. You've researched it. Um, what advice would you give to somebody listening right now who may not be in an abusive relationship but has a friend who is in a dating relationship with somebody who, from the outside, you know, it looks like it's abuse? Mm-hmm. Well, well, first of all, um, I, I would be supportive of, of that friend. And um, if she's in a dating relationship, um, you know, I guess you could ask her why she's in that relationship. Um, this, the statistics, statistics are, I mean, overwhelming. Of women, you know, of, of all women, 35% will be either raped or stalked or um, for, uh, physically abused in some time in their lifetime. 35%. Almost half will have also coercive control or some type of emotional verbal abuse. That's, that's crazy. We're not teaching our daughters um, how to be discerning, and we're not teaching our sons how to be respectful. Um, that's got to change. That's got to change in the church. That's got to change at home. Um, and the women that I have counseled or represented who are in these abusive relationships are truly some of the most wonderful women. They have hearts as big as Montana. They're, they are kind and sweet and generous and giving and forgiving. They, they are the kind you'd call at three o'clock in the morning and they would rush over and help, help you. They're just these amazing women. But the one thing that we miss is discernment. Um, and that's the ability to, to see good from evil and to practice that and, and to walk away from the evil. And in Hebrews chapter five, it says discernment's a, a sign of spiritual maturity. Um, we, we need to be able to discern good from evil. And that's really what I, I work with on the women that, uh, that I counsel is you know, we, need to, we need to call a spade a spade, call, call something evil when it's evil, because we like to whitewash it, you know, us in the Christian world. Oh, well, he's just having a bad day, or this is a bad time for him, or he's under a lot of stress, or, you know, we make excuses for, you know, what's abusive behavior. And, you know, my response to always having a bad day or he's under a lot of stress is, well, you know what, when you're under adversity, that's the real you coming out. <laughs> you can, anybody can be, you know, for a couple hours at a cocktail party, you know, chatty, 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 and Mr. Uh, Mr. Wonderful. But when you're under adversity, that's when the real person comes out. So see who that is, because that's the real person. And then I would, um, uh, you know, help them to get to, a, 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 if they need to, a counselor. I often recommend, you know, go, go see a counselor, because if it is domestic abuse, you need someone that specializes in, in that. And, you know, your local domestic abuse um, organization, maybe she needs a shelter, maybe maybe he's threatening her and she can't get away. And it's, it's really difficult to get away in these, in these situations, the, the threats and the, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll tell women um, who think their boyfriend loves them or their husbands love them, I said, why don't you pull out 1 Corinthians 13? chapter, you know, verses four through seven, 
And when you see the description that Paul says of love, put your boyfriend's name in there. Does that sound like love to you? Is, you know, is, uh, you know, love is gentle, love is kind. Is Tom gentle? Is Tom kind? Does Tom keep no record of wrongs? Does Tom, is Tom hard to, does he not, uh, uh, you know, lose his cool? Just put, put someone's, put the boyfriend's name in there and see if that describes him. And that's kind of, that's an eye opener for a lot of women. And then we go to Galatians 5 and we look at the fruits of the spirit. I think, hmm, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, you know, faithfulness, self-control. Does that describe your boyfriend? <laughs> and they're they like, wow, that's, 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 no, that doesn't. So like, well, why do you want to, why do you want to settle for that? Mm. No, God has amazing plans for us as his daughters. Wow. We, we need to choose someone who, who can walk with us um, through life that has, that we can fulfill God's purpose for our life. So fill someone, you know, choose someone that, uh, that's a prince, not a, not a, <laughs> not an abuser. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're royalty. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. You know, our Papa God, I mean, he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's going to give us um, a, a kingdom, whether it's your, your work or your home or whatever. You want something, someone that's going to be able to reign with you and, and be able to fulfill God's purpose with us. So choose wisely. Mm. Don't, don't get a project. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you just touched on something that I think is important to uh, a lot of women leaving an abusive relationship feel pretty crappy about themselves. Uh, mm. They've been told over and over again, uh, you know, you're garbage, you're nothing, no one else is going to want you. Um, you're an idiot because you stayed with me, whatever. I mean, it can be like really out there. I've heard a lot. <laughs> um, and then yeah. those, <laughs> those voices get into your own head, right? And um, I can imagine that even when you're doing that exercise with, um, with women that you work with and you go through Galatians 5 or, you know, the love chapter, um, there's this voice, well, I'm not like that either. So, you know, I'm not patient. I'm not kind. You know, it was partly my fault, whatever it is. So how do you encourage the women that get out of these relationships or who are considering um, to get out of that pit of blame and self-destruction and just hating on themselves? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I remind them um, that all relationships with an abuser end badly. They all do. Mm-hmm. And they end very badly. So there's nothing you could have done that would have made it end any differently. They're, they're abusers, not because of anything you've done, but because they're abusers. They, they choose to, to do that. So, you know, don't do that well, woulda, shoulda, coulda, if we had gone to counseling, if I had done this, if I'd been prettier, if I'd been skinnier, if I'd been a better mom, a better wife, a better chef, a better whatever, it wouldn't have mattered. It, you know, so let's just remind ourselves that all, all relationships with abusers and very badly. But then I, one of the most important things about healing is taking all those lies that Satan gives us. And we know they're lies because they come from Satan and identifying those and rejecting those and replacing them with God's truth. You know, when Satan says, Oh, you know, you're unlovable. You're like, Oh no, uh -uh -uh. I'm made in God's image. 
I'm God's girl. He sings songs over me. He delights in me. I am made in him as, in his image. Next. <laughs> you know, go through those one at a time because there's probably hundreds of lies that we've believed over the course of, you know, however many years you've had with your abuser. And a lot of times people have come from families that aren't very, um, you know, that maybe they're abuse in the family or dysfunctional. So you have those lies as well. And you just go through them one by one. And what helps is the word of knowing the word of God. When, you know, Satan comes at you with those lies, you can identify those right away if you know the word of God and say, no, that's a lie straight from Satan through my abuser's mouth because God says da, 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 da. And so we go through those. Um, and that's really the key to healing because, um, you know, in Romans it says to be, um, don't be conformed to this world, but be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. That's how healing happens. When you renew your mind and change the perspective that we have to God's perspective, it's life-changing. And it's so cool to watch women get there. As I go through um, my support groups and they're, you know, they're, they're 16 weeks long and, you know, optional foot. People come in and they're so broken. And at the end of 16 weeks, they're, they're seeing yeah, I, I am lovable. God does love me. I've got these wonderful qualities that I, I, so-and-so told me I never had, but you do have these wonderful qualities and God gave them to you because he made you wonderfully and wondrously in his image. And, and so when we, again, when we, we call those lies out straight from Satan and reject them and replace them with God's truth and then surround ourselves with God's people, good people who see the good in us because they have the good in them. Mm. You know, our abusers can't see the good in us because the Holy Spirit's not in them. Every woman that I've ever counseled, but again, these amazing women and, and could their abusers see it? No. But what does the Bible say? You know, good people repel evil people and evil people repel good people. We're, we're in this battle that we, and once we finally understand that we're in this battle between good and evil, it's not me and my ex-husband, it's God and Satan are, are battling out there. And we, we, uh, that's what, that's what's happening. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. Um, sure. and I think one touches on something that you mentioned a while back and, um, I just know that the church can do better, right? And I'm sure your book, <laughs> your book, oh, don't even it's get me so good. <laughs> well, I want to because I know I've had multiple pastors on here, all very, you know, godly people. Um, but I do think that there's a huge lack of empathy and understanding in this area for a lot of pastors because it's very complicated. And um, for somebody who might be, you know, going to church with an abuser and which, by the way, most abusers, you, you can't tell from the outside, right? A lot of times they look real good. Like they don't have good. a big letter A that's branded on their chest or anything like no. that. No. And so <laughs> a husband and wife or, you know, things are happening behind the scenes. The wife goes to the local pastor, says, you know, I'm in this abusive relationship. And instead of, you know, support, a lot of times it's, uh, well, you should go back to him and work things out or whatever, right? So, um, <laughs> I mean... That, that happens a lot, I think. And um, I'm just, yes, it does. I'm just wondering what in your 
perspective do you do you think needs to change in order for that conversation to change um, from the beginning? I mean, what what do pastors need to start thinking differently? First of all, um, I would be surprised if even one seminary had a a course in domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. So they have no training whatsoever in in domestic abuse in their seminaries. So you should change that, Charlene. Yeah. There's a reason why this is the size of a textbook <laughs> and it's four pounds. Um, so education of pastors would, would be really helpful. You know, if someone can expound on, um, you know, Genesis, they, they should be able to know what is going to happen in 35% of their, um, of their congregation and, and up at half when it comes to, you know, um, control and, and um, emotional abuse. So, um, so just education is in this, in the seminaries is, is just vital to, to how pastors do that. Um, and then if they, if they don't have, if they're already out in the, in the, um, you know, gone through seminary, well then go get some training and don't get some training from, from your um, denomination, because I'm not sure that the denominations actually have very good, um, very good training. Go go to a domestic abuse organization that that provides um, that provides training. There's a uh, a 40 hour course that um, almost every uh, state offers. So go do that. Read this book. Have, there's a there's a good um, example. But get some training on on what uh, what it's what it's like. 40 hours of training is not even going to scratch the surface of all the intricacies of domestic abuse and, and how it affects her and what she needs to do to, um, to heal. So I have a couple of things I would recommend. Make sure that you have a network of resources so that you can um, provide that person with, with the resources and refer her out because a pastor is not the person that's that's going to understand it. You need someone who's who's trained in this area and who understands it. So refer her out to someone. But first of all, when she comes in, just listen to her, L- listen and be and be kind and compassionate. Um, and you, she, they're first responders. Pastors are often mm-hmm. because women go to pastors as as the first person often. That and and when he says go back to an abusive relationship, that that is really dangerous advice and, and not even biblical advice. Um, so listen and then refer her to someone. And, and um, I, in this book, I have um, a guide for pastors. I, I've had, uh, you'll find on um, abusecare.org, my, my website, I have a, a handbook for pastors. I've had a couple seminars on this is what pastors need to do. Um, this is what they need to know about domestic abuse. And this is, you know, 13 steps that pastors need to take. Um, when it's in your congregation. And by the way, here's 13 steps, common mistakes that you need to avoid because that's what usually happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, get some training, listen and refer. Yeah. And don't try to do marital counseling. Really, that's, a, that's one of the things that pastors really don't understand. Um, when there's abuse involved, marital counseling is, is not recommended by um, all the mental health organizations, all, all the domestic abuse organizations. He needs his own counseling to deal with his issues and she needs her own counseling to heal. Um, and before 
anybody suggests going back to a, an abusive relationship, he needs to require repentance. The, the, she needs to require it and the pastor needs to require it. People often ask me, well, what does redemption look like when you're, you know, for a domestic abuse survivor? And I, and I say, well, usually redemption looks like Moses taking the people out of Israel. Pharaoh doesn't change. You know, they might have been praying for years that his heart would change, but he doesn't change. What happens is God does a rescue mission on his people and takes them from a land of bondage and into the promised land. And in between that, there's this desert, which is really a, not a pleasant place to be, but this is the path that you go. God doesn't usually change Pharaoh's heart, and, he, and Pharaoh makes it really hard to get out of, an, of the abusive situation. So that's what it usually looks at, like, and, but God blesses us when, and he puts, into a, a, puts us into a place of rest and, and hope and, and peace. I mean, there's giants in that land, but he says, I'm going to go with you. You know, Joshua 1.9, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, because I will go with you wherever you go. So that's usually what it looks like, the redemption for um, a woman in, in, um, out of domestic abuse. Every once in a million, and I'm truly saying once in a million, um, sometimes a redemption looks like Paul's change of heart. That's very, very, very rare. Telling a woman to go back to an abusive relationship is so dangerous for her, and I don't think pastors realize how dangerous it is. And maybe they do, but, but having no consequences for an abuser is, is siding with the abuser. I guess my, my final question before my final question would be um, what, what would you say to the person listening who suspects that maybe she's in uh, a complicated borderline abusive relationship? Um, maybe it hasn't gotten to the point of physical abuse, but it's definitely, um, it, it feels like a power and control thing. You know, she's under his control. Um, what, what, what can she do? Well, there's a few things you can do. First of all, get educated. I think knowing the tactics of abuse, and believe it or not, um, once you know what you're dealing with, they're very predictable. Um, they it, oftentimes, when I'll I'll share some examples, what the book goes through, um, and so do we in, in the in the support groups, specific tactics. Um, very detailed of, of this is what an abuser will do or what he'll say. And they'll be amazed. It's like, well, that's, that's exactly what, what my husband or, or boyfriend is doing word for word. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's like somewhere out there, there's like the abusers university and then they all get their, you know, little textbooks when they graduate and they like page 38, this is what you say, you know, to manipulate them into doing whatever you want. So, um, so I would, I would encourage her to to um, to you know educate herself. What what does abuse look like? And you know, there's tons of stuff online to to do that. That you know, there's tons of books out there. Um, this book goes through like you know the first few hundred pages talks about the different types of abuse. Um, and then I would I would um, I would counsel her to go to um, find her local domestic abuse organization. And um, they usually provide free counseling. And so she can talk to someone because usually you think you're going crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, is it just me? Am I, am I wrong here? Because he's telling me I'm crazy. You know, gaslighting is, a, is a, one of the tactics that they use all the time. 
to make you feel like you're crazy. Um, and projection, which is another technique that they accuse you of the very things that they're most guilty of. So you really feel like you're going crazy because you're being accused of all these things that you're, that you're really not. And, you know, you are feeling like you're losing your mind. So go to someone who is a specialist in domestic abuse and, and talk it out and they can help you through that process. Don't do it yourself because um, it's, we're, we are not equipped and um, you know, the average person is not equipped to um, go through this whole process yourself by, by, on your own. I mean, truly it, it is a, it's a spiritual attack. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle. And Satan is very sly. He's got all sorts of, you know, he is much more evil than you are smart. So um, just going with, um, you know, joining a support group and um, getting individual counseling and educating yourself so that you know what it looks like um, is a, that would be my, my best advice. And, and if, if he is unable or unwilling to, um, be the man of God that he needs to be and be respectful and be kind and loving and all the things that God requires in a, in a, um, a good relationship, then, you know, unfortunately. Last question. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards redemption or restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are all gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Redemption, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which of those gifts stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think right now the redemption story. Um, I am just so grateful that um, God did a rescue mission on me and um, pulled me out of that relationship as painful as it was to, to go through that whole process. Um, but he has when God does a rescue mission and when he restores us and redeems us, he puts us in a better place than we were before because that's his nature. God's a God of redemption and love and um, he, he puts us in a better place. So everything in my life is better <laughs> than it was um, eight years ago when, when I left. Um, I have found a new church that supports me because for the very things that we talked about, my my old church um, really didn't do anything, supported my husband. And so I found this wonderful church with beautiful people and friends who walked with me and are filled with the Holy Spirit. So I have this whole new church family. Um, I have a beautiful home um, that I just is filled with peace and grace and love. Um, and when I finally was able to come out of hiding and buy this home, um, I just I was so grateful and my heart was just exploding with, with thankfulness. And I just fell on the floor and I said, Lord, just use this home. However you want to use it, ha fill it with good people, do whatever you want. And of course it didn't take him, but a nanosecond to, you know, make good on that. And so we use our home, um, for, uh, um, for other women that are trying to get out of domestic mm -hmm. abuse. So we're a safe house, um, kind of like on the Underground Railroad. Um, and we have been blessed with more than a, you know, like a dozen women and their children that have come through and stayed with us for as long as they need to. And then, you know, when they get healed and God finds a place for them, off they go. And then they become part of an extended family. And so we have goddaughters because of this. We have, you know, new nieces and nephews. It was just an expanded family. So um, so exciting to have an extended family. Um, uh, 
we have, you know, God's brought me to this, this new career. You know, I was this corporate lawyer and now, um, you know, I'm an author and I, I, I get to help women every day out of, um, out of bondage and get them in, into freedom. So, so that's cool. I have wonderful neighbors. Um, my children are, are grown. They've, you know, for a while, um, as all abusers do, they, they try to alienate the children against the mom, but God has worked in their hearts and turned them back uh, to me. And um, so it's just, I mean, that's a, he's an amazing God of redemption and restoration. And, and I'm just, I'm just grateful. Mm. So that's my story and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlene, I'm grateful too. I'm grateful for what God has delivered you from and, for the resource that you've created. Um, it's such a gift to uh, women, but also to the church and uh, to anyone who questions, you know, what's going on in their relationship. It's just um, a, a valuable resource that needed to be out there in the world. So I'm excited that you've created it and uh, that God uh, found you fit to share. And um, I'll be sure to put all the information to finding you in um, the podcast notes and as well as a link to your book. Can it be found on Amazon? Is that somewhere people can purchase it? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's carried on Amazon. It's carried at Walmart. It's carried at uh, Books a Million, um, um, Barnes & Noble, you know, and I'm sure there's some Christian bookstores as well. But, you know, everyone buys everything at Amazon these days. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. What would you do without it? But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just amazed that it, it's, it's been picked up by some other, these large retailers. I mean, when you're Michelle Obama, that's one thing because, you know, you're a, a common name, but they don't know me from Adam, but guess what? God knows, God knows the buyers at Walmart. That's right. <laughs> and he somehow impressed upon them that they need to carry this, this book. And, and um, so I'm just happy that it's, I want it to change lives. You know, given the numbers that we know, you know, half, almost half of women are going to be um, somehow in a, in a either a verbally or, or emotionally uh, abusive relationship or coercive control. I mean, that's that's in the millions of people mm -hmm. just here in the United States. And domestic abuse is the number one killer of women in the world. Wow. Um, so I just I want to change the. I want to change how the church addresses it. I want to change how society addresses it. I want to change how women think of themselves so that they can, so that they can um, be the woman that God designed them to be. Mm, I love it. Well, keep on doing the good work and uh, until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. <laughs> And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, 
just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.